You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Virgie, where we discuss all things theater. And today we're chatting about a powerful new play that's taken Broadway by storm. I'm Jeff, a music industry producer and manager. And I'm Richie, a theater director and producer. We're talking about Prayer for the French Republic, a story that spans generations and asks some big questions about family, history, and hope. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Half hour. Welcome, everybody. Before we jump in, just a heads up, we're going to be talking about the play, which means we'll be sharing some of the story's secrets. If you want to be surprised, go see the show first and then come back and listen in. Prayer for the French Republic is part of the Manhattan Theater Club's Broadway season. It's playing currently at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. It's a play that tells us about a family's journey through some really tough times. It's about looking back and looking forward and figuring out where we all fit into Yes, and the Solomon family's story starts in the past, back in 1944, with a family waiting to hear about their loved ones during a really scary time in our world history. Then it takes us to 2016, where they're facing new challenges, but some of the same old fears. Prayer for the French Republic is written by Joshua Harmon and directed by David Cromer. So let's dive in a little bit. Yes, Richie, I got to ask you, what did you think about this plot? So what I, I did really appreciate about this was I liked the jumping of time periods and I liked the spanning of, I believe it was five generations. And I liked that we went back and forth from two different plots. Um, It has such potential to derail or Mm -hmm. to not come across clear. I've seen plays that jump all over and everyone's like, who is that? And where are they from? Why? And it was so crystal clear. And I give Joshua Harmon a lot of credit for the writing of that. Because I really appreciated this plot of this modern family going through their struggles. And then we would go back to their grandparents and great-grandparents and the struggles that they were having at a different time. Similar, but different. And I kind of felt like through the whole piece, it was like, oh, this is similar, but it's different. But it's similar, but it's different. The similarities being this Jewish family struggling through many different generations with so many issues with hatred. Mm-hmm. And yet very, very different times. Uh, and I think that was what was most fascinating was like Joshua Harmon could have only told the modern version, only told the 1940s version. And instead, it was such a glimpse into different eras of time. And 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 I, I almost feel like we're seeing more and more of this. If you looked at the TV show like This Is Us, 
and you looked at the different jumping of different family, this one family and all the different flashbacks. Fascinatingly enough, very rarely did I ever say, I don't know, who is that? Who is that? Where am I? And I understood it. So once again, trusting the audience, I think Joshua Harmon trusted his audience to understand and let you listen to the dialogue and glue all these different generations together. Do you kind of agree with that a little bit? I do agree with it because I feel like what was smart about it was that he only stuck to the one family. Like, for example, the character Marcel, who is the daughter of the family. Um, I think it's Pierre. Pierre is the um, one of the generations. He has two kids, Marcel and a brother. And we really only stick with Marcel's family. We hear from the brother, but he's more of the narrator in the show instead of we hearing so much more about his family. So I liked that he was we stuck with this whole family the whole time. And that kind of goes back to just going from seeing the family in the past to the present. You know, what I've been telling people with this show is I liked that it felt kind of like you're watching a TV show. And because the play is split into three acts, it feels like you're seeing three episodes in like a short TV program, um, like a mini series. So it was really great to see like, okay, you know, we have 45 minutes, then we have 45 minutes, then we have 45 minutes. And it doesn't feel long because everyone probably is like, okay, three hours, that's long. But that it felt episodic in a way was what was really cool. And how... he wrote the flashbacks into the piece with the 2016 family really being the main portion of the co- like the text here, but like writing back into the piece to kind of understand like, oh, is history repeating itself? Does history continue to repeat itself? Or is it to show like the different challenges that the generations had to face as being Jewish? And I thought that was easy to follow. Did right. you think it was easy to follow? No, so easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've seen mixed reviews on that saying like, oh, we didn't need to go back and forth, you know, and like it should have just been like one about, you know, it, 1944 and then one about 2016. And that doesn't seem creative to me if we didn't bounce back and forth. And some of the most beautiful moments in this show was when the two scenes from 1944 and 2016 were happening at the same time. And interestingly enough, it's funny because a lot during the COVID times, I remember a lot of um, underrepresented communities saying, why are so many of our stories that are told only about, like, for example, a lot of um, the Jewish stories on Broadway are always about the Holocaust or tough times, or a lot of times the gay stories on Broadway are all about the HIV AIDS epidemic mm-hmm. and the hard times. And so it was interesting to see a modern family also dealing with hard times. I think dramas are always going to entail hard times, but I think it was really nice to see a family told in the modern day, a Jewish family. And what was fascinating about it was how all the different people in that family felt differently about their faith. One was so adamant about um, not wearing a baseball cap. And then the mom wanted him to wear the baseball cap to protect him from being hit in the street. And all of them, had a, and then one of them, the father, felt so unsafe he wanted to move to Israel. So all these different people in this whole fam- family, one wanted to leave, one didn't, one wanted to leave. And then kind of similar to the family in the past too, that elderly couple never left Paris. 
So it's such a reflection on why do some people, why did some people never leave Paris when they probably maybe could have or should have, and they were lucky to stay safe. And then there's people in the modern day that are like, I want to leave Paris. And like, no, we're fine here. Right. So it's interesting how the same city was reflected differently in different times. Well, I think that leads into this whole plot point of choice and a family and needing to make a choice on doing what is right for their families. And when it makes it think, it kind of makes you think a little bit about like your own family, I, you know, and how they had to make choices on whether they were going to stay from like, you know, our families are immigrants in a way. And whether they came from Italy or my family comes from Ireland and ha- and the generations that have either had to make the choice to stay in their country and or leave due to hardship that the country may have been feeling. So I think there was times in there where I was looking at this and I don't know if you felt the same way, but like, oh, these fa- the families are trying to make a choice on like they've been in Paris for so long and now they are stuck here saying, oh, I either need to move my family somewhere else or stay here. Right? Do, are, are you kind of... Yes. And and as in the 1940s, that family all did different things. Right. Some and had to present, leave. And in the present day, same thing. Some were going to leave, some were not. And so it's not like the whole family... If you think of a show... I, I know this is very different, but if you think of a show like Fiddler on the Roof, they, the whole... The family kind of does the same thing where some of the daughters go get married in in a different time period, of course. But some of the daughters say, no, I'm I'm not staying here. And some daughters stay. And then by the end, they all have to leave. And so that's what's interesting about people needing to leave for their safety is how a family can be divided like that. It's kind of sad. And, and, And how do you think the play helps us understand why people might choose to stay in a place even when it's hard? I, for this... When you're thinking about what these families had to do, they're really kind of showing you like that they don't feel safe anywhere. So at any point, they're like, oh, you can go to America. Oh, no, you're not safe in America. Or you can go to, you know, they're at one point, they're literally saying we should go back to Germany. It's safe there. And the kids are like, Germany? Hello? Are you kidding? So when you think about that and having to make the choice, the parents are like, You know, and this is 2016, so we're writing about something here now that's pre what's happening in the world today, which is like even more bizarre when watching this play because they're saying like, go to Israel, it's safer there. And now look at what Israel is dealing with. And and this is pre the pandemic. This is pre, right, the Israel-Palestine conflict. There's so much going on and it is very fascinating. And I think that it was just refreshing to see different ways to tell stories with different generational jumps. And I thought that was really, really smart of the the writing. And we're going to get to the direction in a second, but the, just the writing that Josh Arman had here was really impressive. I was very impressed. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. Yeah, and we should move to the team that brought this whole play to life. So, Richie, what did you think about the way the play was directed by David Cromer and did it keep you glued to your seat? Well, I loved the direction of this. I loved the costumes and the lighting and the sound design too. But I will say, I'm actually blown away that I've some, seen some people on social media say that they hated the set because I thought the set was actually one of the greatest things I've seen in a really long time. Like same. And <laughs> it's this revolving turntable of different angled walls and different windows up and different and lighting coming in to show different locales when the, when the girls are at the bar in act two and they show that just the side of the edge of the set with all the, uh, what looks like the interior of a, a bar hall maybe that they're in. But then the li- modern day living room, the old living room, the, old, the one family way in the back while another is in front and revolving. Very, very smart, not lazy. Lazy is, is lights up, lights down, shift the scenery, lights up, lights down, shift the scenery or projection, 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 projection. This was none of that. And also, I really appreciated that this piano stayed anchored in the center of the circle and that because this was a five-generational family selling pianos, the piano was always in a home or centered in their life. And then no matter what anyone was going through, they used music and the piano to root them and anchor them in a way. And visually, that was stunning with the set as well. And I I will just say the set designer's name because why not? The set design is by Takeshi Kata. And I was, I hope I'm saying that name correctly. It was just very, very impressive. I did want to ask you about the piano from a director's point of view on it being in the center of the spinning stage and how you felt that it read really added to the story. Because I mean it was it was so important, I think. And they would at times they would gather around the piano. At times some people would sit at the piano. It was it was a character because it was so large and center. Mm-hmm. And it was a reminder the whole time that this family, no matter what they go through, is united on, you know, even the piano industry is dying and they talk about that and who's going to, and and actually really kind of, unfortunately, that is really happening in the world. The piano industry is kind of, in a way, dying like that. Re- not electric piano, I'm talking actual pianos. So they talk about how important that that is a focal point in their life, no matter what generation. And it kind of shows how, you know, to get a little philosophical here, music is timeless. The piano stayed through many, many piano has been around for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years through wars, through famine, through horrible times. The piano in so many people's homes, I, I can name five people with a piano in their home. You could probably too. Yeah. That just have a piano still in their home. And well, not only that, down. but not only that, the keeping the Solomon piano store alive during all of these different hardships it was the one thing that kept them there for so long, I feel, mm-hmm. because no matter what, and they, I think they even say it in the show that, you know, they, grandpa doesn't leave because like he, that's what keeps him going. You know, he's going to sell pianos to at one point, his grandson almost says like, I should stay here and keep this legacy going. And the grandfather's like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. why? It might end with me. And and it that's what 
And I will also say, talk about the generational things and, and what you just said. I think what's really amazing was the youngest person in the 40s is the oldest person today, mm-hmm. which means there could have been a moment where we talked about what this family looked like in the 60s and 70s. And we did it. We went from like the tail end of one being the connecting ribbon to being the eldest of the current. And I think that's interesting because there's like totally, there was totally room to kind of talk about this family. Maybe that would have just been a little too much of like, now the family's here 10 years later. Now the family, and instead they trusted the audience to connect that youngest person from one time to the eldest person of this time. But I think there was a reason for that because I think that represents that this was the next time that the family actually had to make a change. Mm-hmm. So when they were faced with having to make a change in 1944 on whether to stay or go, between 1944 and 2016, they didn't need to make that decision again on if they were going to leave Paris. But in 2016, the family felt like they finally needed to leave because they did not feel safe in this country anymore. Right, right. So I think that's kind of like why that is, but that it just so happens that that is happening with the oldest of the generation, which Mm. was the youngest of the generation. Mm. So there is a generation gap in um, just time of Mm. like things were good and now they're not. And talking about some of the performances here about some of the actors, who stood out to you and why did they grab your attention? For me, I have a list of three Perform first of all, I thought all of the acting was very, very good in this. And I was really I blown away by really good acting. I do agree with that. And yeah. I think I have a through line in my actor performances. And it was actually the three generations of women that really stood out to me. So you have Nancy Robinette, who's playing Ema Irma Solomon. Irma? Irma. Mm-hmm. Irma Solomon, um, which is the grandmother in 1944. And then you have Betsy Aiden playing Marcel, who is Pierre's daughter. And then, how do you say her name? Francis. Elodie. Elodie is Francis. um, Ben Hamow. Ben Hamow. And um, I just thought they were terrific. I thought that they really brought story character arcs to each one of their characters. And it also showed how they did not back down to the men in the family. And I think that is such an important part to this play. I totally agree. And I had those three women listed as well because I think they were the strongest. If I had to choose one, there is something about Betsy Adam to me playing Marcel that was really, really amazing. I think she is so good in that role. I would love to see her do more work. Um, And her daughter, Frances, that long, 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 long monologue she has in Act 2 is so right out of something you would hear someone saying in a bar at midnight, talking to a friend, maybe, you know, just yeah. the way it's written is so smart. It was very, very good. All the performances were great, but those really stood out to me. And uh, she was, and she was an interesting character for me because at first you thought, Oh, this is, this is not going to be good with her. And then like slowly, as you start realizing more, like she has different episodes, but she's extremely knowledgeable and she just has a lot to offer to the text of this show. Yeah, she she was great for me. Totally, totally. Really, really great stuff. And one thing, too, uh, with lighting design, do you feel like this added to any specific part of the play? Because I do feel like there were moments. There were definitely moments. The moment when they're out on the street and there were those windows way high up in the wings casting light down, that was very impressive. And I thought that was beautiful. 
Um, just some of the interior scenes in general. Um, the modern family home was lit really well with some of the modern architecture that was in there. And it was this open concept thing where I didn't feel closed off at all. The walls were like s- s- small and not, it didn't seem heavy, the set. It seemed light and people moved through it. I also will say, and this is a set and lighting comment, in the beginning when he was in the bathroom, when the American visiting cousin is sitting in the living room in the very beginning and he comes in bloody and they're in the bathroom and there's like this light coming from the bathroom and they're having this whole argument back there and you can't really see them, but it's lit well enough that you can kind of hear them and see them a little and the cousin is sitting out in the front react, list, just listening. It was a stat, it was an astonishing director and lit moment too. I was just like, oh my gosh. That's kind of what it feels like when someone's having an argument in another room and you're not in the room, but you can hear it and you're just like listening, but it's in another room and they didn't need to pull the bathroom down center stage to show us everything. We heard, we, it was a very, a son who was upset, a mother who's concerned, a father who's trying to help his son. Who's a do- it's just, it was, that was a great moment for me. I don't know. I can, I still stuck with me. Yeah, because it goes back to that uncomfortable theater moment that we all talk about well that you and i talk about at least when we're you know after we leave something and the fact that like we're sitting there and you're listening to this conversation and at one point you're like it's another thing where you're like is this good and then after you think about it a little bit more you're like oh no that is really good because you do have so many of those moments in your life where like there's a conversation happening right in front of you and you're like hello do they even realize that i'm there hmm hello, hello, it's me. Um, Like, you're arguing in front of me. This is weird. I'm in your home. Anyway, yeah, I just think it's, there was some great moments there. And, and there was a, something specifically that I feel like that was done in the lighting design that really took it. It was like, when we shifted into 1944, the colors got warm and almost kind of muted in a way in like, that there wasn't really great power at that Mm. time and they needed to use things like candles and it was more of a dimmed light and it gave you that effect like that you were really watching something in 1944 yeah and then like you were saying when you moved into 2016 it was bright it was like led it was lights it was this and like that for me helped with changing time periods yeah like really really well totally totally we'll be right back Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Let's jump back into things. Totally. And now I wanted to move in a little bit about like our own personal experiences and some also some conversations about the press here of what they're saying about the show. But how did you feel like when you like right after the show walked out of the show? 
I I didn't feel like exhausted or stressed or tired. Sometimes I walk out of heavy dramas feeling that way. I walked out feeling like, wow, I learned things. I felt things. Um, This is difficult subject matter in the times that we're in today. And yet I felt a sense of like, oh, this is smart theater. And I was brought along as an audience member. They, I go back to the trust. Joshua and David trusted me to follow their story and take us on this journey. I didn't leave feeling confused. I left feeling a little angry because it's just so sad that people are dealing with this in so many different generations in so many different ways. Um, but I did feel a sense of, wow, theater can be good on Broadway at some wonderful times. A, a lot of things are good on Broadway, but sometimes a story told like this in a play format in these different times i just was very impressed with the whole thing Mm -mm. right and i feel like like leaving and you having this like kind of angry moment was because like we're talking let's talk about the end of the show a little bit like pierre stops his granddaughter or and grandson or i forget which one it was i'm thinking back now but he says to them like why do they want to kill us and he's like just talking about in general, like people like what or like, why do they hate us? And it it stops and makes you think because like, yeah, they, they bring up some really great statistics in this play too, like the fact that Jewish people are like a, such a small percentage of people, but like they're the most targeted in a way in the, the world. And it just makes you stop and you think and you're like, yeah, why? It's and very sad. It's really sad, especially with what's going on today. And you, you're like. They have such a target on their back, no matter what nationality you are. If you're Jewish, you're still a target. So, you know, you could be an American Jew or you can be a Jewish, a Jewish in Paris or a German Jew. And like, look at in all of history, the amount of times that people wanted Jewish people gone. And it's just like, it's just odd. And there's so much hate in the world in general. Right. And we're seeing these plays told about so many people hating so many different people for uh, so many reasons. But this one really, and, 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 and I do want to go into a little bit of this. There, I, there was a quote that I, I know we want to read from the New York Times and I want to talk about that. But mm-hmm. what is the buzz and what are some people like the New York Times saying about this? Okay, so I did write it down. Like the New York Times loved it. They said it was thought-provoking, heart-wrenching, and wickedly funny. So what do you feel like? about how the play is being talked about in the press. Well, what I was going to say is, it's very interesting that the New York Times ends up by saying wickedly funny because we're talking about such heaviness, but it, there were some really funny moments in this too. Mm-hmm. And and I not like uncomfortable funny moments, but like some of the acting, the daughter, some of her yeah. moments, uh, the visiting cousin from America. There were some wonderful comedic relief moments. And it might be odd to say like, oh, there's such heavy subject matter. Why are you saying parts of this are funny? But, I think what Joshua Harmon did a nice job is making sure if he, he basically said, if I'm going to take audiences on a three hour journey like this, I think I need to add some comedic moments about relating to people today and like angsty young adults and, and middle-aged parents and their elderly and the dramas and the stresses, but also the comedy with it. I just thought there was some really, and like, I agree with that wickedly funny. I thought that was really, really a great way to kind of put some. Yeah. And at times you were laughing because it was actually funny. And then you were laughing at other times because you were like, you're just in such a state of shock that you're like, wow, I can't believe that's actually happening. And, you know, other people are laughing in the audience because like they've either dealt with that. And sometimes when we're nervous about something, that's what causes laughter. So 
you know, I, I agree with the New York Times um, review on that as well. So. Totally. So nice. Oh wow. my gosh, we're just getting ready to wrap up here. Let's get to our final question as the okay. bell is ringing before we go. <laughs> How do you feel like this play fits into this overall landscape of the current Broadway theater scene that we're seeing this season? I think it fits in the landscape of the thought-provoking portion of this play. And I think what the plays are doing on Broadway right now is exactly that. They're miles above the musicals in a different way because they're telling real, authentic stories, which is fine because, you know, sometimes musicals people just want for escape escapism. But this... I'm going to add it to my list of like, I do think so many people should go and see this show because it is thought provoking. It makes you think. I think that the the theater is filled with one type of theater goer, though. So I think that people that traditionally wouldn't go to a play like this should go to a play like this to actually feel something, you know, and it's done in a different style. I'm going to praise the way that it was written and how it was written into three different parts because I really liked it and it never felt long to me. So, yeah. I, I would say, you know, we've seen Jewish stories told on Broadway for so many years for so many different ways. We've seen Fiddler on the Roof come back and back. We've seen Cabaret come I mean, Cabaret, Cabaret is coming back this season. So, when you see something like this, when you see Cabaret, you see top, look at Cabaret, del- deals with such difficult subject matter and adds com- comedic moments and spectacle moments too. It's all, and Fiddler on the Roof certainly has wonderful comedic moments during very difficult subject matter. So it's interesting how you can take, tell tough stories uh, and and add some comedy to it and make it work. And so, yes, we're seeing tough stories this season. We're seeing comedy this season. This kind of is just a hybrid of how do we tell a tough story for a long time and add some moments to it and let make people feel, feel the sadness, feel the compassion, feel the comedy, feel the warmth of family. It's what theater does. And I, it totally fits into the landscape of the season. I hope more people go see this because I want to say it's only playing for maybe another month or so. So, oh, yeah. People, people, yeah, people should it. definitely get to it. ASAP. Yes. Well, that does wrap up our discussion for this episode today. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into prayer for the French Republic on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, we want to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. And let us know your thoughts on Prayer for the French Republic. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review. Your feedback helps us bring more theater to you. And remember, you can listen to past episodes and stay tuned for upcoming ones. You know, we have a, we, we always say winter's kind of dead and then the spring picks up, but we have quite a busy winter out of us. There's a lot of off-Broadway we're going to be checking out and seeing some new, more Broadway shows are entering a little, or um, starting a little earlier, I should say, January, February. We have some brand new shows coming. So excited to be talking about that. And we're, I feel like we're just getting started, even though we're more than halfway through the calendar year of the Tony season. Well, we are just getting started in some yeah, ways. In but some like, ways. we just did our um, winter preview episode, and this is the first of our winter preview. But there are nine shows opening in the winter. So, Let alone, and not even in counting the spring. So, oh, yeah. It's coming. It's Busy coming. Broadway season. Mm-hmm. It's all good. <laughs> well, until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta for now. Bye. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.